Just to preface this episode, we have a little guest in the studio today. We do. Small, little slender, kitchen. fluffy little... Um, a little fucking terror Antagonist, yeah. A demon so, that has destroyed my apartment. If you hear any weird shaking sounds or thuds or something, it's probably him jumping up and down off the table. In fact, he just slapped me in the face. I think that's <laughs> going up on the Instagram. Yeah. Although maybe... It'll be far late after this episode. You know what? Up. I'll repost it. I saved the video. Oh That's my god, fine. bro! <laughs> he's attacking my iPad. He's Get out of here. Okay. Well, right. enough of that. But yes, this should be an interesting episode with this little demon Ow. cat <laughs> running around as we record now. Before we get into today's episode, what movies have you guys seen recently? I watched a movie that I watched a long, 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 long time ago when I was a little boy, so I didn't really remember anything about it. The movie called The Boondock Saints. Ooh. I don't know if you know that one, Miles. I do know The Boondock Saints. The Irish guys? Yeah, The Irish guys. Irish. And most importantly, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe is in it. Um, That's Minnesota. And he's from Minnesota now? I know. Yeah, Minnesota. Oh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. But yeah, it's a very kooky movie. I don't know if I'd say it's a good movie. Um, a lot of there's a very there's a lot of kind of like locker room humor, where sort of crass language in the things that I don't think a lot of people would like. But there's some really great kooky scenes, like Willem Dafoe orchestrating a shootout in his mind, which is really fun. Also, Willem Dafoe dressing in drag. Also, Willem Dafoe's a, a gay man in this movie, which is just. A side note. Is he's good, he's getting a new movie too. He's getting a new movie with him locked in a in an art gallery. What I can't wait fuck? to see this cat is a menace. <laughs> Just attacked me for he's no a reason. Menace. Anyways, movie's kooky. It's fun. I love Willem Dafoe. I'm watching more Willem Dafoe movies. <laughs> he got he got beef with you. <laughs> what did I do to you? Get out of here. I'll, I'll get his attention. Come here. He's taking over come, my come microphone. Over I can't I can't approach. Anyway, hey, to hey, summarize hey. Boondock Saints. Uh Willem Dafoe is very fun. Norman Reedus speaks a lot of languages. Cool. I watched Edge of Tomorrow. Mm. Tom Cruise. Yep. Jesus <laughs> Christ. This fucking cat. <laughs> he really wants you. He he will not turn to me. Come here. Come over here. Oh my God. He sees your little fingers twitching and dangling on the iPad and you just can't handle it. Fuck. Okay. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow. Tom Cruise, uh, the I can't remember the ladies. Mr. Middleteeth name and <laughs> Wait, what? what? Mr. Middleteeth? Does he have like a one middle tooth? Yeah, oh, his man. teeth. He's got a tooth in the middle. Um, it's a good movie. It's a good Groundhog's Day movie. I do remember it being like solid. Yeah. Good concept, fun effects. Yeah. Good, good, like just uh, concept art too. I remember, mm-hmm. You know, exosuits are always cool. Oh, I'm a little sucker for exosuits. Yeah. I love exosuits. They're really neat. Um, my one beef is it's not very accurate to the source material. Oh, there's source material. It's actually based off of a manga. Interesting. Miles, could this be something we cover in the future? It could be. It could very well be something we cover Because I future. do remember hearing that um, the exosuits they wore on set were actually very heavy. And so there's complaints and things. And apparently Tom Cruise was like, suck it up. Hmm. Yeah, maybe in the future we'll do Edge of Tomorrow. There might be some stuff there. Not to edge you guys until tomorrow. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, Mara, what did you see? Um, I watched the Werner Herzog documentary Grizzly Man, which, for those of you who don't know, is a documentary about uh, a man named Timothy Treadwell, who for like 14 summers went to Alaska and lived out in Katmai National Park amongst the brown bears. Um, well, grizzly bears, obviously a grizzly man. But um, he just like camped out there with them. And he was a huge advocate for, like, bear conservation. However, he's... Real quick, was this the guy who went out with his girlfriend and they both got eaten? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he's pretty controversial because while some see him as, like, a conservationalist and an advocate, um, one of the things, like, the park rangers talk about in the movie is just that, like, there's not really a poaching problem for grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. And so Timothy Treadwell kept talking about how he's the protector of bears and 
he's going to make sure nobody poaches them. Right. But it never really was an issue to begin with. Yeah. Um, and the documentary has a bunch of just found footage that, you know, he would take cameras out and he would record. Um, so you see him do like 10 takes of this little kind of talk. And then um, when he'd come back from the summers, he'd like go around schools and like talk about his experience and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, his last, well, yeah, his last summer, right before he was supposed to be picked up, um, a grizzly bear attacked him and ate him and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and he died. This bastard is responsible for my childhood nickname. What? So he would, he would name all the bears. Yeah. One of the bears' names, Miles. Mm, yeah. And so my family started calling me Mr. Bear. Interesting. Mr. Bear. And this actually ties into the episode today because we're going to be talking about baseball. Um, yeah, we are. My family would get t-shirts because in at the Giants, in the Giants, there's mm-hmm. a guy with a big old beard. Yeah. And it would they would get t-shirts that like fear the beard. Yeah. They would get t-shirts that say fear the Mr. Bear. Oh <laughs> my God. Fear the Mr. Bear. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a translation issue. But yeah, um, I think watching Grizzly Man, I'm like, yeah, I do not like Timothy Treadwell. Uh, he was basically camping illegally in a national park, claiming that he was protecting the bears when they didn't really need protecting. Yeah. And he was putting himself in danger. And I think he was just really- Still weird. He was pretty reckless. I think he had good intentions, but he just went about it in a wrong way. And this is also coming from someone who worked at a national park in Alaska, not Katmai National Park, but I did work at a national park in Alaska for five summers. Mm-hmm. So perhaps I'm a little bit biased, but- Anyway, that was a very long rant about about bears. About now we're going to talk about baseball. Yeah, now baseball from, from one beat to another beat. Uh, bad, not bad news bears baseball movie, well, but a different baseball. Good movie. news bears. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mister Bear. Yeah, the baseball jersey. The baseball jersey. The. Yeah, this is a weird pivot. We're talking about the 1992 uh, baseball classic that is a league of their own. Uh, it's written by <laughs> Lowell Gans, and you guys are going to love this name. Babalu Mandel. Babalu. You know what I'm going to love more? Directed by Penny Marshall. Doing a summary. Yeah. All right. Take it away, boys. So this movie opens up very much like Saving Private Ryan, where we have (laughs) old people going to see the other old people that they served America with during World War II, except in this one, the old people are alive and not gravestones. Speaking of- some of them. <laughs> you're, you're right. Another tie-in is Tom Hanks is in this movie. Tom Hanks is in this movie? Uh, and he's Hanks. also in Saving Tom Private Hanks Ryan. In- oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, another tie-in. See, this is weird. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's World War II. Men are away fighting, and they're like, baseball's gonna die. So we get we get the ladies to do it. And um, Dottie. Dottie is kind of our main character. She's a whiz kid baseball player, along with her not-as-good sister, Kit, who Dottie takes every opportunity to humiliate with her skills and power. Uh, they milk cows as good old gals until Dottie is offered a spot on the All-American Women's Baseball League or whatever it is. Um, Kid is offered the spot as long as she can get Dottie to come along with them. So they do that. They catch a train to Chicago. They also pick up Marla, who um, Marla tags along despite being very ugly. <laughs> and they all integrate with the team. Fun all around. Um, some of the teams smoke cigarettes, some talk cool, some are ugly, some can't read. And uh, they try to make them more feminine because women playing baseball is just really confusing, um, really sexually confusing. It's just, it, it's going to be the death of the United States, I don't know. essentially. <laughs> nope, and, um, <laughs> nope. and, and booze hound Jimmy Dugan, Tom Hanks, is uh, made to manage the team, but he hates it. And he states this by showing off how long he can piss in front of everybody. <laughs> Uh, establishing they, dominance mm-hmm. they play games they sneak out um they get to know one another they clash with gender norms uh jimmy becomes invested after hardcore hand boning and uh things are on the up and up besides you know the deadliest conflict in human history occurring miles okay they play baseball for a little bit martha marty who marla marla gets married leaves Dottie gets a, your husband is dead scare, but joke's on her, it's just one of her teammates' his husband that's dead. Betty Spaghetti. That's good for us. That's good for us. We love that, you know, who gives a shit about Betty Spaghetti? I don't think that's anyone's favorite. Uh, <laughs> Kat's going over to Mariah now. 
He's Tom Hanks goes, there's no crying. Nope. I'll yeah. get the Tom Hanks voice throughout yeah. the, uh, this episode. Tom Hanks absolutely bullies my girl, Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> you did get the name right. Hell yeah. And then they play more baseball. And then uh, Kit gets traded because she's actually just mid. She's yeah. just mid. Well, Dottie wants to leave the league because she sees that it's causing a rift. <laughs> this fucking cat. Um, she wants to leave because she sees it's causing a rift between her and her sister. She threatens to leave. Um, Ira, who's the the guy who's kind of holding the league together, is like, what can I do? And Dottie's like, well, trade me. And he's like, okay, I'll do a trade. And he trades Kit instead. Yeah, but Kit is just like mid at baseball. She's, she's good. She's not as good Strictly as Dottie. Strictly mid. Win. When is she ever shown to be good? She does um, make it. She gets it, one hit. Bruh, she does make it to bruh. the World Series and win. Oh, okay. Oh, she gets one <laughs> infield home run. But her pitching is never shown to be anything but average. And that's her job. She's a pitcher. Uh, bro, when they, they swing the Batman. Oh. Pitchers don't even hit. They get the... The fucking they get people to hit for them. Designated hitters. Yeah, that wasn't a thing yet. Wow. Oh, well, I can't be a part of this. I I lack <laughs> the capacity to be a part of this conversation. So um, all I'm saying is, Kit is generally mid, and she did deserve to be traded. I, I did get the vibe that I mean, because they they didn't want her on the team to begin with. Yeah, they only brought her on because it would get Dottie on. Yeah, but but then she showed her strengths uh, later on, I, I, and then and then she ends up getting an infield triple, and she wins the day, and then everyone goes home, and then they show up as old people, and then you find out that some of them are dead, and some of them aren't dead, and then they all have a fun little time at the mm-hmm. museum, and then the movie is over, and that's the movie. Yeah. Very good. Yes, it's yeah. got the this movie has a guy from Benchwarmers. Does it really? It does. The guy who goes, um, if I had your job, I'd kill myself. <laughs> Oh, John Lovitz, the scout. Oh, is it John? Oh, that it, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's yeah. John Lovitz, yeah, John Lovitz. He's in Benchwarmers. I've okay. never seen Benchwarmers actually. Um, thank you for that summary. Now, before I really get into this movie, this is based on a very real league, um, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League (AAGPBL). Um, that was founded. It was founded in 1943, and so I just kind of want to dig into the history and give you guys an overview of the league, um, and then we'll kind of go into the oh, movie. Let me put my history glasses on. Oh, yeah, hold on. Oh, they're on. Wait. Stephanie, you got yours? Gosh, I, I didn't bring them. Mm, okay. Well, do you have your, like, archaeology glasses or anything um, like that? Anything in a relative I field? only have my toxicology glasses. Oh, man, that's not going to help. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Yes, please, do, please. Do you guys like gum? I do like gum. Cool. Cause, yes, uh, actually. Um, my man, Philip K. Wrigley, loved it. Wrigley. He also loved baseball and owned the Chicago Cubs. Um, with his wealth and status as a baseball executive, in 1943, he and a few other execs decided to form a little league because they were really worried that baseball was going to have to be canceled after the war was over. Mm-hmm. A bunch of major league players were shipped off overseas, which meant a lot of the minor league players were brought up to the majors, which meant a lot of the minor league teams were then shut down and like disbanded, which mm. it was just not a good sign for baseball. There was also a lot of rationing for like gas and materials and stuff like that, so it was really hard for teams to travel in the first place so philip k wrigley this gum magnate teamed up with branch ricky who would go on to sign jackie robinson in 1947 hell yeah and was the dodgers general manager and a man named paul v harper who was a chicago cubs attorney the three of them got together and they created the all-american girls softball league Mm. softball you say that's not the movie i watched well you heard that right that's because Originally, you are right. That's not the movie I watched. Originally, it wasn't quite softball and it wasn't quite baseball when it started out. They decided halfway through the season to change it from the All American Girls Softball League to the All American Girls Baseball League, so AAGBBL. And by the end of the season, it was finally All American Girls Professional Baseball League, which is AAGPBL. And then in 1945, two seasons, they changed it back to AAGBBL, but for the sake of my own sanity, I'm just going to call it the league. Anyway, so rules and distance regulations were far more similar to softball than baseball when they were first starting out. 
The circumference of the ball was 12 inches, which in baseball, it's 9 inches. So too the, big. 12 inches, mm, too big. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, the ball was a lot bigger than what you normally use in baseball. They did use underhand pitching in the uh, first season. Eventually, it was kind of changed to overhand, though. Um, the distance between the bases was somewhere in between softball and baseball. And the pitcher's mound in baseball, I think, is 60 feet, 6 inches. And starting off, it was actually 40 feet. So it was 20 feet closer to the plate. Mm. Uh, But then, again, by the end of the time, they moved it back. And this was to kind of show that women could play, quote-unquote, hardball. Yeah. Uh, And it seemed to like they were trying to impress more people. Like, look, it's not just softball. This is, like, baseball, which is harder. Is the all-American female baseball still a thing? No. I think if it was, it'd be way more popular. I agree. Than softball. I agree. Um, as someone who's not invested in sports in general or baseball or softball, they don't seem that different to me. It's ball size, pitching I know style. Th- yeah, I know and they do infield like- style. That's the only difference is it makes a world of difference. It, it really does. Yeah. Y- yeah, but it's the same thing in the end. No, <laughs> the same same sport. I don't know. It is the same sport, yeah. but I, I I don't know. Just softball isn't as cool as baseball. Anyway, okay. So with these kind of odd regulations and sizing and whatever in place, four teams were formed. You have the Rockford Peaches, the Racine Bells, the Kenosha Comets, and the South Bend Blue Sox. Those are the actual names. Yes. Blue Sox is obviously the most baseball. Personally, I like the Comets. Comets is pretty cool. There was um oh, you know, like the racing bells. That's the one like that and Peaches is the ones that are like, guys, it's 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 women. It's I think women I think there was a baseball. team called the Milwaukee Chicks, and people are like, This is like sexist. And I'm like, I guess, but also there's like the Cleveland Indians today, so like whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so there were four teams starting off in like the first season, and they had sixty women total, fifteen on each team, which obviously nine play on the field at a time. Yeah. There is a documentary that you can find online that's very good. It's from 1987, and it's called A League of Their Own. And one of the players that they interviewed talked about how from April to August, they'd play about 120 games. Damn. Which is one or two basically every day. And if someone was injured, they just kind of... Kept playing. They just stick you in different positions that you you just weren't a pro at, and you just kind of fill in the gaps when you needed to. Throughout the movie, you can see... Them with like different injuries. Like yep. there's one, uh, I can't remember her name, but um, where she slides, May's friend, Rosie O'Donnell's character. She's got because she, oh. she busted her finger, so she's got mm. the double taped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which a, we will get into that. Oh. Yes. Anyway, so from 1943, Wrigley owned the league and the four teams. In 1951, after nine more teams were added to it, it kind of shifted into more individualized teams. And even after the war. People were still attending the games. Their uh, their peak season was like 1948. And uh, unfortunately, they kind of shifted the way that it was managed and it became decentralized. And the money started to go away because mostly kind of how I understood it is that there was kind of a lack of national publicity and it was kind of like mm-hmm. localized publicity. So it reached a much smaller audience. Um, there were also a lot of women in the league who started to retire because they were getting older and wanted to start families. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel like they did a good job of portraying that in the movie. Yes. I was, you know, I'll probably say this at the end. I feel like there's a lot of things that they did a very good job at sort of hinting at and suggesting, but not, you know, spending a whole lot of time trying to develop it because it would be a long movie if you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it seems that like Wrigley stepping away and selling the league and the decentralized teams really did a number and 1954 became the last season for the league Damn. yes mm-hmm. so from yeah. 1943 to 1954 it existed i remember seeing 54 in the museum mm-hmm. at the end. um which interesting to me is that even though jackie robinson broke the color barrier into the major leagues in 1947 there was not a single black woman that ever played for the league it's alluded to that black women can play baseball too yes they there is a nod in the, the film if you catch that when then, a black woman throws yeah immediately they go (laughs) no because racism is still real yeah yeah um so yeah that is a very brief not super in-depth look at the league Uh, most of the information i got from this is from the official all-american girls professional baseball league website and the 1987 tv documentary which is written and directed by mary wilson and produced by kelly candale 
Um, and I like the documentary because it's centered around a reunion of the baseball players, which obviously is very similar to the beginning and the ending of this movie. Yeah. And Penny Marshall, who would direct this movie, also saw this TV documentary and loved it. She was a huge baseball fan, but didn't really know much about the girls league. Um, I don't think she'd even really heard about the league before. So she saw this documentary, figured, I don't know this story. A lot of people probably don't know this story. I think this is a worthwhile story to bring to the screen. I'm going to talk about Penny Marshall a little bit before continuing because I love her. So she played Laverne in the long-running show Laverne and Shirley from 1976 to 1983. After the show, she directed her first feature, Jumping Jack Flash. And after that, Big, starring Tom Hanks. Oh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. would be a great hit. Tom Hanks, hey, guys, it's um, me, Tom Hanks, I'm and here. And for anybody who knows me, knows I love Big. I'm, I, I'm going to try Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, just Tom Hanks. How, okay, so how do you do it? It's, it's a, just, a, I don't know, it, I can't really do it, but... I'm trapped in an airport. <laughs> I'm trapped in that. You can't... Uh, it, it's hard. You can't do this, because I don't want to scream to do the scream. But it's got, you, you are a toy, Buzz. I don't know. Anyway, so, with Big, she became the first woman filmmaker to direct a film that grossed more than $100 million at the box office. She, um, after Big, she then directed Awakenings. In 1990, oh. which Miles, you watched that recently and really liked yeah, it, right? With Robin Williams and what movie? Awakenings. Oh yes, yeah. Awakenings was really good. Love Tom mm-hmm. Hanks. Love it's, it's uh, De Niro. Robert De Niro. I thought it was Al Pacino. No, is it De Niro? It's De Niro. Oh yes, very good movie based on a real thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Um, and Awakenings would be nominated for best feature. Um, and then after Awakenings, she directed this. So I love her. Anyway. Penny Marshall brought this project to 20th Century Fox and was in the process of pre-production when a new studio head entered the scene, a man named Joe Roth. Um, But because Penny Marshall was working on Awakenings in 1990, and apparently he was in a hurry, um, he took the project away from her and gave it to a director named David Anspaugh. However, Roth didn't like what he was seeing with David Anspaugh, ended up kind of dropping the project and gave it to Columbia. Hmm. So when Penny Marshall left Fox for Columbia in 1990, she was able to take the project back. So it was originally going to be filmed in 1990, lost funding, and then really began filming in 1991. Hmm. Only a year difference, though. That's not too bad. Yeah. Now, seeing as this is a baseball movie, Penny Marshall needed actors who could play baseball. So they had this huge tryout with about 2,000 actresses and only advanced those who could play convincingly or were considered, quote unquote, trainable. Um, and there were a lot who could act, but just like couldn't play. And Marshall said, quote, there was a big tryout and they were judged on running, catching, hitting. Throwing is always the hardest for girls because they throw differently. But I would not read an audition and really good actresses unless they could play ball or were trainable. I think that is the one thing I noticed in the movie is them throwing. Wait, is that why the pitch is different in softball? If women throw differently, did they decide a different pitch would be better for women or something? I can't answer that. Oh, okay. So Tracy Reiner, who is Penny Marshall's daughter, plays Betty Spaghetti in the movie, who gets told that her husband dies in the war. When the the guy comes in and he's looking through his letters and he goes, oh, I hate these ones. Dude, some of the people in this movie are actual heathen. (laughs) Why would you say that? These are just the worst, aren't they? I hate these ones. That's the worst thing you could say. And then he's like, oh, which one of your husbands is dead? I Mm. forgot my paperwork. Yeah. So... Tracy Reiner went to open tryouts with her cousin without telling her mm. mom that she went. And she came, she came home. She was like, oh, I bet my mom's going to think it's cool that like I went to the auditions. And then Penny Marshall was like, how did you guys end up in like the top 20 girls? Mm. Like, what the hell? You guys were good. <laughs> um, and she, obviously, she was cast in the movie. Gina Davis, who plays Dottie, which maybe you know her from Beetlejuice. I haven't seen Beetlejuice since I was a very small child. Have you child. seen Thelma and Louise? Okay, anyway. So her audition was very different. She had a meeting at Penny Marshall's house and Marshall basically asked Davis, like, let's go throw a ball around outside. And Gina Davis was like, I'm not athletic. Damn it. She played catch with Penny Marshall and according to Davis, Penny was just like, okay, that was the whole audition. And she got it. Huh. Yeah, again, she did not have an athletic background at all. She was like, I did sports in high school. I did like track and field, but that was kind of it. Um, but I did learn one thing that was like really cool is that in 1997, she became like obsessed with archery. Oh! Archery slaps. Yeah. Archery slaps. We love archery. So she took it up. Archery gang. And she was really good at it. 
and she very nearly made the 2000 Olympic team. Damn. Yeah, she was like so good. Holy shit. <laughs> she was also brought on in the project pretty late and she did not get like the training that the other actresses did because they essentially like went to spring training. Uh-huh. Um, but she picked it up really quick and kind of was like better than most of them. So she's just like naturally athletically inclined. Pitchers. Mm. They get special treatment all the time. Oh, she's a catcher. Oh, Dottie. Yeah. How are we talking about Kit? Pitchers. Um, which, talking about Kit now... Lori Petty said she auditioned eight times for this movie. Like, that's how many rounds she went in it. Um, and in, 20, in a 2017 interview, she said, every woman in Hollywood was reading for this movie. It was a strong female movie, which, you know, we don't have now, and we didn't have in 1991 either. I mean, everyone was auditioning. Um, someone I absolutely have to mention is Madonna, who plays All the Way May. The singer Madonna? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that one. That's yeah. All the Way May. Is that the dancer? Yeah. Okay. Really? That's Madonna? That's Madonna. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She was not a movie star as far as Columbia was concerned. And there were a lot of people doubting whether or not she could act well in front of a camera, especially doing so many baseball stunts. Yeah. However, the original actress for May dropped out. Marshall approached Madonna and Madonna really wanted to do it. She wanted to kind of like diversify her career. She took it super seriously. And um, the other actresses, in, like including Penny Marshall, were really nervous about meeting her and working with her. Hmm. But Madonna kind of like put them at ease and soon their worries were gone. But at first, Penny Marshall like wouldn't even say her name. She's like, how how do you say Madonna? Like, how do you just be like, oh, hey, Madonna. Hey, Madonna. <laughs> so she was so nervous when, because Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna are like the best friends in the movie. She would just call them Ro and Mo and be like, that, that was how she addressed them. Nice. That being said, apparently she had a miserable time on set. Oh, she Madonna? Wrote, yeah. <laughs> she wrote in a would letter. Would you say Madonna? Was a prima donna? Um, not really. Is that where actually her name comes from? I don't think so. Wait, wait, wait is that a stage name or is that her actual, just actual name? Prima donna? No, Madonna. Because because oh. Madonna's in prima donna. That'd be more. <sighs> Madonna is her first name. Oh, okay. So yeah, apparently she was pretty unhappy. Um, and in a letter that she wrote to a photographer friend, she said, "Quote: I cannot suffer any more than I have in the past month." Learning how to play baseball with a bunch of girls, yuck, in Chicago, double yuck. I have a tan, I'm dirty all day, and I hardly ever wear makeup. Penny Marshall, Laverne, um, Gina Davis is a Barbie doll, and when God decided where the beautiful men were going to live in the world, he did not choose Chicago. I have made a few friends, but they are athletes, not actresses. They have nothing on the house of extravaganza. I wish you could come to New York. Oh my God. She is a prima donna. (laughs) I understand, but I don't know if I'd consider a lot of those very valid. Yeah, Uh, it's dirty, and all the men are ugly, and I have to deal with women. Um, she took the job very seriously, and I think she does. Uh, I was gonna say I I didn't really pay attention to performances that much, but I I certainly didn't see. I didn't blink my eye at her acting or anything, where I was like, "Oh, that was kind of funny." Because yeah. generally, when musicians act, you can kind of tell. Yeah. I mean, we've been going mm-hmm. through the highwayman stuff. <laughs> Those are rough. Sometimes, like the way Willie Nelson, you know, it's just like a look on the face where you're like, they don't have it. Yeah. But Madonna did good. Are you telling me you don't think Harry Styles is the best actor ever? Gucci, you can't keep lying to me like this. That's Harry. <laughs> That's my attempt at Harry. Uh, okay. So when the movie was still with Fox. Um, before it went to Columbia, John Belushi was actually like in the running for playing Jimmy Dugan. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sean Young, who plays Rachel in Blade Runner. Like, oh, the, the, the main... with the broad shoulders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She was David Anspaugh's first pick for Dottie. Oh. Uh, Demi Moore was Marshall's first pick for Dottie, but she had to drop out when she became pregnant. And Penny Marshall said, quote, Bruce literally screwed her out of the part. Uh, wow bruce willis who's married to Demi Moore. yeah i i think they picked a, a good duo because mm-hmm. for me the people they got to play Dottie and kit mm-hmm. i have immediately forgotten their names Lori petty and gina davis already gone look very similar yeah so they they to me could be sisters yeah mm-hmm. i agree after Demi Moore came deborah winger she was really picked for Dottie kind of right up until production started, but then she backed out and then Gina Davis was cast. So like I mentioned, she didn't have like all the spring training. She kind of came in last minute. She did a kick-ass job. 
and a lot of the actresses actually auditioned who, who auditioned for David Anspaugh had basically re-auditioned for Penny Marshall when it changed hands and got the film. And a lot of them also read for different characters than they ended up getting cast for. Mm. Um, so the the actress who plays Evelyn was reading, yeah. I think she was reading for like maybe Betty Spaghetti or something like that. And it was like clearly wasn't working. And so then they were like, oh, here's Evelyn for you. And so they kind of like reworked some of the characters for like okay. the cast that they wanted as yeah. well. Um, and if you'll notice, it's not a very diverse cast. They're all white. Oh, well, um, wasn't, it's wasn't accurate. that with the League World War II yeah. um, And so screenwriter Lil Gans said, quote, it did bother us that in order to be historically accurate, we could not have a diverse mm. cast. We came upon that scene where the yeah. black woman throws to uh-huh. throws past Dottie as a way to make that point. A lot of people have commented on it over the years, and I'm very glad we included it in the film. Kind of a nah idea. Yeah. So this movie is pretty accurate, um, but obviously they did have to take some creative liberty. Um, the script makes some not so <laughs> subtle nods to some of the biggest players in the league and kind of the history of it. So when I was talking about the history of the league, remember how I mentioned Wrigley owning it, the gum king? Mm. Well, that obviously is parodied here with Gary Marshall's character of Walter Harvey of the Harvey chocolate bars. Um, fun fact, Christopher Walken was apparently supposed to play Wrigley? Walter Harvey. Or, yeah, but Harvey bars. the studio yeah. couldn't afford him. <laughs> I also saw that Paul Newman was considered for the role. Baseball. Wow. If Paul Newman was in this movie, it would have been probably the movie for you. Yeah. Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, and baseball made for me. Yeah. This is is my impression of Christopher Walken. um, Oh, he's good at this. uh, Being a candy bar king. Mm -hmm. Candy bars. Candy bars. I love them so much. I hate women, though. (laughs) I think once the men come back, we'll get rid of the women. Put the men back in baseball. (laughs) Women and my wife is always eating the candy bars. I I like my job now. (laughs) Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. You are a toy. Not a toy. Who cares? Put this watch up your ass. Okay. okay, so uh, Dottie Hinson is loosely based on a woman named Dorothy Cammy Kamanshek. And Kamanshek was an absolute powerhouse in the league. And But she didn't play just one season. season she played 10 seasons um, with the Rockford Peaches. She had, a, she had a career batting average of .292, which is pretty good. She was a top hitter in the so league. So every fourth at bat, she will hit. A little bit more. Yeah. Around. Yeah. She did play yeah. first base, not catcher, and she was left-handed, not right, but... What can you do? Yeah. Jimmy Dugan, played obviously by Tom Hanks, is based on a man named Jimmy Fox, along kind of with a mix of another uh, guy named Hack Wilson. So Jimmy Fox was a nine times all-star player. He had 534 career home runs, two batting titles, a triple crown. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He had a 20-year career, but... Due to injury and drinking, he had to step down. Doo-doo. He did manage. I'm sorry. He did manage an AAG PBL team for a season. Although people who worked with him were like, he was an absolute gentleman. He's not really like Tom Hanks in the movie at all, really. But his character is kind of based on that washed up baseball right. player that was Jimmy ah, Fox. It makes a good arc. That I don't know. I think Tom Hanks' character, needless. You could replace him with a nice person, and it doesn't change anything. Well, it creates conflict and obstacles for yeah, the team. Yeah, it, it is. It, what, it isn't. It isn't very integral to the main. What conflicts? Plot, but other than he's a dick, we don't like him. Well, I think the team reaching their potential because they just have to coach themselves. Yeah, because I, I, the main thing he brings is his actual baseball knowledge, yeah. right? And once he actually starts coaching them, they do well. Yeah. Um. But. Anyway, Tom Hanks also gained like 30 pounds for this role. Originally, the character of Jimmy Dugan was supposed to be like in his 50s or 60s. Mm, I bet he practiced pissing too. To make him seem kind of less fit and more washed up, he was like, I'll gain like 30 pounds. Uh, he said, quote, I had barbecue pork ribs and enjoyed the desserts of America. Mm, <laughs> to, to, to gain the weight. Twinkies, apple pies. Ice cream. Apple Jacks. Not Apple Jacks. Cracker Jacks. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you'd want Tom Hanks in a movie. He's like, he's a great star. 
but he'd actually just come off of two flops, which were the Burbs and the Bonfire of the Vanities. So Columbia was actually kind of hesitant to cast him in this movie because mm. he wasn't um, a huge draw at that point. But he'd worked with Penny Marshall for Big before. Um, they right. had a good relationship and he like it ended up working out. As I previously mentioned, production began in July 1991 mm. um, in the Chicago kind of just like Indiana area of the Midwest. Okay. The tryouts were filmed at Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs in Chicago, which is oh, really neat. right. It's Wrigley Damn. Field. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Instead of Harvey Field. Um, the Racine Bells home games were filmed at Boss Fields in Evansville, Indiana, which I've actually been to Evansville um, a while ago, but I didn't go to the field. Now I'm like, damn it. I wish I had gone to the field as a little kid. Yeah. Um, they retrofitted the entire stadium to look as it did in the era. And you can actually, if you go today... They have support the Racine Bells sign still up. Um, And today it's used by the Evansville Otters, which is a Frontier League baseball team. um, And the the ball girls wear the Racine Bell uniforms. Okay. Which is very fun. Okay. In the bar scene where they sneak away and dance Mm -hmm. and Marla falls in love with Nelson. Mm -hmm. It was originally going to be filmed at the Hornet's Nest in Evansville, Indiana. However, right before they filmed there, the owners did like spontaneous renovations and they're like well we can't use this now so they used the exterior of that but then they filmed the interior at a bar called fitzgerald's in chicago and they had to close down the bar for three weeks to film that scene it's like five minutes and they closed it for three weeks to get all the dancing and stuff that's compared to i will say dancing scene i didn't know i was watching dirty dancing that shit was the choreography is on on point i guess yeah that alone would take up a lot of time just because like choreographing that and everything and that's when madonna obviously like shines she's doing like all yeah. the dances and flips and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah she was crazy yeah i was thinking holy shit i'm what? glad i'm not expected to know that kind of dancing yeah just like on the fly yeah God all knows. i gotta do is sort of crump it up a little on the <laughs> dance floor and shake do my, a gritty my little booty a gritty hair <laughs> a whip there and nene yeah tossed in uh-huh now it does seem like through throughout production they kind of adjusted the importance of some of the, some of the characters and some of the scenes. According to Rosie O'Donnell, her part was supposed to be a lot smaller and she was also her character was supposed to be a lot more like Maze. But then like when she got the role, they kind of adjusted it to fit her. Mm. And according to her, because she was one of the few people that like just totally could understand Penny Marshall's like thick Bronx Bronx accent, like Marshall would give her like extra scenes to I do. I didn't realize that. Cuz like they connected over that. Mm. John Lovitz who plays the scout um, he originally had a larger part. There was a scene where he like monologues about Babe Ruth. He calls a hot dog a meat rocket. Yo. Huh. Um, so I don't know why it was so important, but I did find a source that talked about the hot dog as a meat rocket. So meat uh, I'll stick that in there. Re- meat rocket in the socket. Huh. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a problem with meat rocket? Are you alluding to something that maybe meat rocket is a dirty word or something? He does. He does say pickle tickle 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 yeah. in give her the tick the pickle tickle he dude his character was so weird he did improv that line by the way he mm. was just full of one-liners just to degrade yeah. people well and so funny you should mention that he they he had so many more of those and he had some that were like kinder and some that were really harsh and then they found that the audience just liked the really fucking harsh ones and so they like kind of cherry-picked his insults and just kept the worst ones in well because he's like this is what grass looks like, ladies. Try not to eat it, cows. <laughs> You're like, come yeah. on. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and in post-production, he was basically lobbying Marshall. He's like, please put me in more. And she said, quote, You're in the film just enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could take much more of him being like, kill yourself. Fuck you. You're worthless. Now, for the baseball aspect of this movie, obviously, um, even though they were cast, the actors still needed to practice to make their playing look effortless. And sliding is a huge part of that. They do a lot of sliding in the movie. Mm-hmm. Coaches <laughs> apparently attempted to use like a slip and slide to teach them. Okay. And three women got concussions. So they kind oh. of uh, changed their tactic after that. Sliding is hard. Shout out to my father, who was my baseball coach, for making me slide into third base so many times I started crying. Hmm. Oh. I remember. <laughs> I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Uh, for safety purposes, when the players are swinging and hitting the balls like right by the camera, they were using baseballs that had extremely soft centers, so that way if it did hit somebody, it, it didn't hurt like a mm, baseball. Smart. <laughs> the players did wear authentic wool uniforms, 
which is what the women wore in the 1940s and 50s. And sometimes they'd be playing and doing scenes in like 110 degree yeah, weather. Yeah, I'm going to guess that's kind of warm. Yeah. Um, during the World, World Series games, they had an insane amount of unpaid extras in the crowd. And the cast would take turns entertaining them. Okay. Um, Tom Hanks did puppet shows from the dugout. Rosie O'Donnell yeah. just did stand-up comedy. And then Madonna kind of like was too scared to like sing for them. And so different actors would pretend to be Madonna and sing Madonna songs mm. for the crowd in front of Madonna and them. I see. Speaking of which, Rosie O'Donnell would sing Madonna songs at Madonna to like piss her off. And Madonna would just be like, if you do it again, I'm leaving. The two are like very good friends now, though. And they became close on set. Also, just to get enough footage, Penny Marshall just had all the players just play like unscripted innings and just like get a bunch of extra footage to use. Mm. Now, here is unscripted innings. Yeah, just kind of like play. Just play, just play baseball. Just, yeah, just to get baseball. Okay. Just to get footage. Now, here's what I find extremely impressive. All of the women, except for Gina Davis, did not have stunt doubles. They right. did everything themselves. Hmm. That being said, Gina Davis also did the majority of her own work, so I don't want to like minimize that. But all of the injuries that you see in the movie are real in- injuries. There is oh shit, really? No makeup, no nothing. The that is giant actually- bruise on the leg. The giant bruise. Um, for actress Renee Coleman was real and it took years for it to heal. Really? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Yeah. Yikes. Um, Anne Ramsey, who plays Helen Haley at first base. So when they were initially like in training, they were using modern gloves. and But then for the movie, they were using age-appropriate gloves. Right. So like one of the first days that they switched over gloves, um, a ball broke through the webbing of her glove and broke her nose. Oh, God. And Penny Marshall was like, well, if it doesn't heal right, we'll just like work it into the script. What? <laughs> Thankfully, it did heal right, and they didn't have to like add that in. But she did break her nose. Gina Davis did actually do the split catch, no. where she drops into the split. Penny Marshall was like, "Hey, can you do a split?" And Gina Davis was like, "Um, well, push it further back into production, and I'll like learn." So she's like learned okay. and, huh. and did a split. But in the movie, she like pops back up really quickly, and she was like, "I could not do that." Like. You're in a split, like, it takes a few seconds to, like, get up off the ground. But yeah. she did the split. Rosie O'Donnell does actually throw the two balls at once. Okay. Yeah, which I think is, like, the most impressive thing that in was, the world. That was cool. And she was accurate with it. Yeah. So she, she just, did. she was able to do that. Um, Lori Petty, who plays Kit, had a cast on in some of the scenes, which I didn't even notice. Rosie O'Donnell plays with the broken fingers, like yeah. you pointed out. Those, they were broken. And she just kept going. That's that's actually pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Gina Davis just said basically in general, a lot of women like just ripped skin, just like sliding and continuing Mm, sliding because like you're in skirts. Yeah. You don't have anything to protect you from the dirt. Um, Last thing I'll kind of mention with like the stunts and the injuries is that when the teams are trying to impress the audience and trying to get numbers up, Gina Davis does or Dottie does a catch behind her back. Um, and she did that in real life because they originally had a stunt double doing it, but the stunt double couldn't do it. Oh, shit. And then Gina Davis was like, well, let me try it. And then she just did it on the first time, Damn. which is pretty sick. Now, there are some deleted scenes that kind of they were being pushed by the studio. They wanted a romance between Dottie and Jimmy. Nope. Thank you. Yeah. That is incorrect. You know, I I was thinking when watching the movie how, like, they must have resisted the temptation to do that. And I was thinking, like, why that wouldn't work during the movie, you know, it's classic kind of power imbalances and stuff. But Yeah, there is um, there is a scene in the movie where Jimmy is, like, doing batting practice at night. So there's a deleted scene where he's doing that. He's, he's kind of drunk. Dottie comes up and they kind of talk and then they kiss. Well, Hated. Jimmy kind of kisses Dottie and then Dottie kind of kisses him back for Hated. a little bit and then Hated. stops. But... Um, basically because the studio wanted this and when they screened this for actual league players uh-huh. the, they hated it because yeah. they were like that is so horrible that this devoted wife is cheating on her husband while yeah. he's off at war yeah and so then they were like look see it sucks and they cut it from the movie thankfully yeah there is also another deleted scene where Dottie reveals she married her husband the night that he was drafted oh, which is just like man. an interesting wait like like they because buried, he was drafted? I believe so. Okay. Oh, I thought it was like they married yeah. and then he got the letter. It could be either way. Yeah. I'm not like, it didn't really specify the order of which that happened. One but. is like kind of sweet. The other one is very, very sad. Yeah. 
But yeah, just an interesting tidbit that they just took out. Mm. Now, kind of wrapping up with production. It's been a nutty filming period playing at fucking Wrigley Field. They're breaking bones. They're getting bruised. And the last week of shooting is the last sequence of the film in Cooperstown, New York at the um, Baseball Hall of Fame. They had 65 original AAG PBL members uh, recreate the the induction scene. It took quite a while to film. And so the cast kind of entertained themselves and the players Mm -hmm. by putting on their own version of Jesus Christ Superstar. But they did a twist. So it was Jesus Christ Superstar goes Hawaiian. Ooh. Huh. Um, and the kind of closing credit scene where it's the people playing baseball, those are actual uh, league members playing baseball. Also, did either of you guys notice that the actress who plays old Dottie was dubbed by Gina Davis? No. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm like... I, I want to say there's a couple of moments where I I thought they were dubbing, but I thought it was like an ADR thing. There were a couple moments of ADR that I definitely yeah, noticed. Yeah, the, there was ADR moments, but like at the ending, you know, I was like, oh, it looks like ADR, but I didn't realize it wasn't her. Yeah, no, it's just to make it more believable. They didn't mm. um, they didn't dub over old Kit, though. Just old Dottie. Yeah. Okay. I, I also do think that the older versions of them were cast very well. Honestly, I was debating whether or not they were different actors or like makeup. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of concludes the production. Especially Kit. Oh, God, Kit. Yeah. It was a yes. dead ringer. Yeah. It was yeah. great. That was that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, to that's kind of production all wrapped up. It's, it's I mean, they definitely did all the stunts themselves, got injured, but it seemed like production went pretty smooth once they got going. I'm going to talk about kind of the accuracy of this film to the original history of the league. Okay. It's pretty damn spot on. Kind of the biggest difference is that... The Racine Bills did win the first AAG PBL title, but mm-hmm. it wasn't against the Rockford Peaches. It was against the Kenosha Comets and Comets, excuse me. And funnily enough, the Rockford Peaches actually ended the season in dead last. Oh, really? They didn't. They did not make it uh, oh, that man. far. I mean, there's only four teams, but okay. another thing that they got right is that they did have men as like coaches and managers to show that, like, oh, we're serious and we're going to get some name recognition in here. Um, like I mentioned before. Jimmy Dugan is based off of Jimmy Fox, who did um, coach a team for a yeah. year. It does seem kind of aggressive that Kit bowls over her sister to win the title. But if you learned anything from the movie, it's that these women were rough and tough and like put their all yeah. into this. Mm-hmm. And I found one example of a real life player named Pepper Pear Davis, who actually served as an uncredited. Um, oh, what's the word? Supervisor. Oh, oh, like a reference? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm so sorry I'm forgetting the word. But yeah, Pepper Pear Davis basically was on set as consultant? like- Consultant? Consultant. Oh my God, thank <laughs> you. There it is. She was an on, on set uncredited consultant um, for it. But they talk about, she's also featured in the TV documentary, A League of Their Own, which is really cool. She- I think I accidentally almost watched that. It's on Amazon, right? You, <laughs> when I was, when you asked last night, what movie were we watching? I, I very specifically said League of Their Own and then put the year and then Tom Hanks because I was like, I bet you he might watch the wrong thing. I, I turned it on and I went, it's a short movie. It's only an hour. Yeah. I had that in the back of my head. I was like, hey, he might watch the wrong thing. Um, anyway, she's featured in the documentary, but Pepper Pear Davis, she punched an ump in the face oh. for calling her out at second. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, like they, they would do things like that. Give me back the umpire shield. That shit's cool. Uh, players did have to attend charm school before uh, spring training. Mm-hmm. Girls were not permitted to have short hair. They could not smoke or drink in public. They were not allowed to wear pants. They were required to wear lipstick at all times. And if you broke any of these rules, you paid $5 on the first offense, $10 for the second, and then you were suspended the third time you did that. The uniform, like I mentioned earlier, was spot on as well as there was a rule of it not being more than six inches above the knee. So it made it really hard for them to run. So first of all, they didn't even want to wear the skirts because obviously like that sucks, but then they had to be low enough that they hindered their running as well. Um, And again, like I mentioned, there wasn't really overhand pitching um, like there was in the movie. It it started off underhand and then eventually switched to overhand. So that is kind of another key difference. Um, But yeah, for the rest of it, 
it is a very accurate representation of the League, and I think they did a very good job with it. Now, this movie was released July 1st, 1992, and it was second at the box office its opening weekend and grossed $13.2 million, and overall, it grossed $132 million against its $40 million budget. It was well-received at the time okay. of its release. It still holds up, in my opinion. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's the most successful baseball film of all time. Really? Yeah, more than Field of Dreams, Bull Durham combined, wow. actually. You're telling me this movie is and did better than Benchwarmers 2? <laughs> yeah. yeah, surprisingly. Benchwarmers 2, the hit Americana classic. Still today, it is the top grossing baseball movie. And one thing that I think is really cool about that is it is directed by a woman about women who play baseball. Mm-hmm. It's about a sport that is dominated by men. And the woman kind of take the top here. And I think that's really neat. In 2012, it was added to be preserved as part of the United States National Film Registry. So it is deemed to have some significance. Okay. Some. So basically, overall, the movie did really well. It still holds up. Amazing. Love it. In 1993, so a year after the movie came out, Penny Marshall and Tom Hanks actually teamed up to create a show version of this, just called The League of Their Own. But after five episodes, it was canceled. Is this the Amazon one? No. Oh. This is a 93. Different one. Um, and two of the original actors on the Rockford Peaches team were in the show, but like the rest of the characters were recast. Um, and in 2022, Amazon released their version of the show, uh, A League of Their Own, and I watched it, and I was really happily surprised about it. Were you? I, yeah, I was kind of nervous to watch the show because I really enjoyed the movie, and I didn't want them to like ruin it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a direct copy or anything like that, but it does follow a team from like tryouts to like through the season. It makes, I think, some really smart references to the film. Rosie O'Donnell has a cameo in it, which is really mm-hmm. fun. Um, it also mainly focuses on the sexuality of the players, which is not a thing that is touched on in this movie at all. At all. So yeah. there are there were a lot of lesbians in the league in the 40s and 50s. And so in the show, they do have a lot of gay romances amongst the team and they're pretty open and honest about that they have a trans character so i like that they kind of address it in that way that this movie did not cover that at all um and just to kind of wrap some stuff up i just have some kind of random pieces of trivia Do that it. Hit me i up. couldn't i couldn't fit in super well um the first cut of this movie was four hours long and i want to see it jesus <laughs> well keep in mind that version probably does have the romance in it yeah, but I want to see the other four hours of footage. Okay. I think the only thing I'll, I'll allow four hours is Lawrence of Arabia. That's going to be it. I will give... I think I'll give anything four hours. I love this movie. I would give it four hours. I understand. I'm trying to think what I could possibly give four hours to. The There's no crying in baseball scene is obviously iconic. Uh, Lowell Gans, who, who was one half of the writing team... He basically wrote it just to kind of highlight the differences between expectations of men and women in sports of like, oh, look, these women are being so emotional when like men are equally emotional about sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did not expect it to be referenced all the time in a famous line. And it was in the first draft of the movie of like the screenplay. So like they had it in for a really long time just because they wanted to use it to be like, we expect women to be tough. But then the second like they show any emotions, Mm -hmm. like they get fucking yelled at. I did like that. I mean, yeah, they didn't. Go super into it, but even, yeah, Tom Hanks giving the speech where he was like, you know, when I was in it, you know, I got called this and this and that. and Stack of shit. Yeah, and like, you know. Like yeah, a pig I shit. I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. Just like how the studio wanted a romance between Dottie and Jimmy, they they were like, Dottie has to save Jimmy from drinking. And so Penny Marshall's like, okay, here, she gives him a Coke. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was her decision there. <laughs> Tom Hanks pees for 53 seconds in this movie. 53 seconds. Okay. Real quick, here's a fun fact. All animals, all animals, and this is, don't check me on this. All animals pee, including humans, for around 22 minutes. Seconds. Oh, 22, <laughs> 22 <laughs> seconds. You it so quick. <laughs> yeah, 53 second pee is That's a long, long. I don't know if I've ever peed that long. <laughs> anyway, I'm a quick peer. Um, obviously, yeah. he's, he's not really peeing in the movie. He actually didn't even know how long it was going to be. Penny Marshall was off the, off to the side with a hose in a bucket. Large And diameter. she was just dictating how long it would go on. So he's like improving his reactions because he had no idea what Penny Marshall was going to do. I love the... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Like he's really and then he's like, yeah, he's shaking. It stops being for a little bit. Still counts though. Still counts. Making everyone in the prostate cancer ward jealous. Yeah, I bet I could pee farther than everyone here. Just a couple more to wrap up. In uh, the scene where Betty Spaghetti learns that her husband died, that took three days to film. Jesus. Yeah, which is crazy. In the scouting scene when John Lovitz visits Dottie and Kit in the barn, and like after he steps outside and and, um, he's having the conversation with Kit, and then there's a cow moving in the background, and he goes like, well, you shut up. The cow behind him was giving birth. (laughs) So that's why it was moving. Okay. And then um, when the calf was born, the the owner of the cow, like the farmer, named the calf Penny after Penny Marshall. There's no crying in childbirth. <laughs> and then, oh, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Nice. Uh, now, my question before we get to kind of... Talking about baseball. Baseball about, talk. Yeah. Uh, do you think Dottie dropped the ball? Or do you think she let it go on purpose? Okay. That is this- the hot topic of the debate for this movie. This... Was I was thinking about this from literally the point where she drops the ball to the end of the movie. If at any point they come out and say she drops the ball on purpose, I was going to be fucking livid. Because the whole arc is Kit struggling with the fact that she isn't as good as Dottie, right? Mm-hmm. She always feels like she's in Dottie's shadow. Mm-hmm. To make it so that like Dottie's like, oh, here, let me give you this one. Let me make you think that you're good at anything. It just makes it feel so fake, and I would have, I would have hated it. So, head cannon, Kit body checks Dottie like a fucking champion, gives her a concussion and holes in her brain, huh? And she drops the ball on accident. I. I personally, I like that she dropped it on purpose because I think the bad, fact that she bad like take, bad take. You're oh bad. no no wait no no sorry that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say the other thing. On accident. Yeah, on accident. Yeah, because um because of the fact that she just bodies her, and I feel like before they didn't really show like strength just hitting. You know, it's always like running or hit or batting or pitching, and so now it was like, oh, this one element you didn't count for. I'm just gonna ram into you, and I like the concept that like, oh, she didn't prepare for that, and so she dropped the ball. I think she dropped it on accident because I think if it had just between the two of them, maybe she would do it on purpose, but she's fucking over an entire team if she does it. It's not just her, like, it's not just about her. It's about the whole team. And I don't think she would do that to her whole team. And she tries to strike her out. She's like, yeah, toss him high. She fucking loves him. She can't hit him. Yeah. Get this bitch out of here. I want her dead. Yeah. I was like, she, she showed no remorse before. And then. Obviously, at the beginning, when we see the two boys playing basketball, is echoing their relationship because she's like, oh, kill him. Yeah. yeah. Kill him. Yeah. So uh, we're all in agreement that she did not drop it on purpose. But there are some people who think that she did. Lori Petty, who plays Kit, again, she she's like, oh, no, of course I knocked it out of her fucking hand. Gina Davis is like, well, I know what I did because I'm the character, but I'm never going to tell you. I'm never going to tell anyone mm, okay but I, I definitely don't think also one thing i forgot to mention is that the rivalry between them is based on the rivalry of the producer's mom from the original tv documentary oh. because he produced it because his mom was a player as was his aunt oh. and they played on different teams and had a rivalry and so they took that idea and added it to the movie so this is Kelly Candell, and he basically said, yeah, my mom would never drop it on purpose. That's like insulting for people to suggest that she did. So basically everybody's kind of in, in agreement that- yeah, If you think she dropped it on purpose, learn the intricacies of movie making. Learn to read between the lines. There's no crying in baseball. Um, all that being said, I've talked quite long enough. <laughs> I want to hear your guys' thoughts on yep. this movie. All right. And, uh, um, what you got? I'll go first because it'll be quick. Uh, I, I'm not into baseball. I'm not into the history of baseball. Um, I did not grow up with a sibling rivalry. There's there's not a lot here for me to attach to personally. This is personally. I do think it's... <sighs> the cat has just dropped a screw on the ground. He's our biggest critic right now. I do think it's a well-made movie. Um, 
I think it's very much a movie. Uh, um, like, I don't know. It's just sort of like a history movie kind of thing. Like, I don't have any really huge issues with it, but there's nothing I particularly liked. Like, it was just kind of like a movie for me. I do think baseball movies in general are kind of silly. Uh, depending on how they do them. This one didn't really do it, but whenever baseball movies do the thing where it's like, Baseball, baseball is what gets inside you. It, baseball is what gets inside you. It makes you live, you know, and they're like, it just possesses you. Like, baseball is God. Like, baseball is everything. And there's like this weird, like, baseball is magical. You just don't, it, baseball is like the American blood. And you're like, what the hell? Like, it's, it's, it's so, oh, baseball. But baseball movies are kind of silly to me. I like baseball movies. <laughs> baseball. Miles, what are, what are your thoughts? Baseball, cool. I played baseball for like seven years, I think. So I am familiar with the sport. I don't know many baseball movies that kind of follow. Because I don't know. Like, yeah, Dottie's the main character. But for me, Kit was more so the main character. Um, so to have a baseball movie that kind of follows a pitcher, despite the fact she only ever tosses sweet delicious grapefruits down the middle <laughs> and the only time we hear about anything other than just a fastball is that her curveballs are ass <laughs> it was still it was still fun to have a pitcher now i just need a first baseman movie we need a water boy movie oh wait <laughs> a lot of baseball movies all are all about hitting there's i mean I can think of two off the top of my head that are pitcher ones. Which ones? The Rookie and The Natural. I don't have seen either of them, so mm. Mm, they don't exist. Well, batting is the rock star of baseball, you know, it's like. But I was always told a great pitcher makes for boring baseball. There's another one called The Trouble with the Curve. Trouble with the Curve. Yeah, with uh, Clint Eastwood. That is. That one follows, he's a baseball scout, so I'm... it like kind of follows him as a scout, which is kind so of actually, an interesting take. I did take. see that movie. Um. And it's not about baseball. It's about uh, COVID vaccination numbers and trying to stop <laughs> the curve. Mm. Um, okay. F- for me, yeah, I love this movie. It's great. Um, I was the only girl on an all-boys baseball team when I was younger. What position? Uh, it kind of varied. I played catcher. I, I pitched. I played outfield. played first. You and me had very similar journeys. Minus, I didn't. I never caught. Mm-hmm. I liked catcher a lot, actually, but I liked pitching. I like um, pitching the most. I had a, a nasty ball that would just like, it would float up and then drop last second. Always ended up as an infield grounder. It was beautiful. I dislocated my shoulder once trying to swing a bat. <laughs> I felt it rock out of my socket and it hurt for a while. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love baseball. I love this movie huge fan of tom hanks so that's a plus i can also relate to the sibling rivalry because i have a twin uh we didn't play sports together like we weren't competitive in that nature but we did have a lot of competition in like school and i don't like a lot of stuff in general i think as a twin it's also kind of uh, exacerbated yeah it's a whole other level so i can relate to the sibling rivalry i can relate to playing baseball i love this movie whereas we were when we were watching this last night stefan was like how he connected with Transformers and I did not because mm-hmm. it was not made for me. It, a League of Their Own is like that. I connected with this movie. It was made for me. It was not made for Stefan at all. <laughs> but Ito, hole in the rock face, A League of Their Own, it was made for me. It was made for me. Yes. Yeah. It, and what's, what's harder for me with this one is because like the filmmaking itself is just kind of solid. So there's nothing I can like say about it. Oh. Okay. Hey, tussling with my shoe. Don't do that. Off with the shoe. We're almost done. Continue. That's all. Like, I I, I couldn't really just say anything about it because the movie was just sort of well made. Well. Um, I liked the bit when they introduced Marla. (laughs) And he's like, you know, she's got the eye of DiMaggio. She lifts up the cat. Arm like a bear. She lifts up the cat and John Lovett's just like very visibly grimaces and it's like can't take her she's ugly i'm sorry my daughter's a freak (laughs) and then the the like little video they have when she's like and look at dotty what a hitter 
and they have her like yeah, yeah. out oh, in the yeah. fucking middle of the field. Anyway, I think that kind of wraps up everything that I have to say about this. So I figure we should just get into ratings. Right. Yeah, cool. rate it. Stefan, rate it right now. What do we do out of ten? Did uh, you forget that we do it out of ten? Yeah, I, I don't know because because Litterbox is five, and that and I I'm rating on the five star system every day of the week besides this day. So seven. Five star system is sub. Seven Augustus Gloop kids knocked out with a mitt out of ten. Nice, I like it. Miles, what about for you? I'm gonna call it seven. Absolutely stanky dance moves out of ten. The dance hall was bopping. It was alive. I hope to God that no one ever expects me to grab somebody and flip them around my body and then throw them in the air and then do a 360, do a backflip and then catch them. I, I, it was crazy. A wrestling star. Yeah. Well, my score is going to be a little higher. I'm going to give it eight giant, enormous bruises on thighs out of 10. Uh, just knowing that the women kind of did their own stunt work, I think is like a huge bonus That's for me. Crazy. One of the things I, I forgot to mention is that in the Amazon show of a league of their own, the, the throwing is so bad because they like, oh, really? they like CG the baseball Oh, and it like looks stanky and I don't like it. But in this movie, it, it was real. It is real. And it nose breaking real. Yes. So, um, I think that's a huge part of it. And also just, I love baseball. Uh, I love women playing baseball. It's really sick. Anyway, that's the movie. Speaking of which, uh, Miles, what what's the next episode? You know, my boy from the 80s making all the teen movies. John Hughes? John Hughes. All right. We're kicking it off with a John Hughes movie. All right. Give us another one. Another one? We did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh. That's him. Oh, yeah. Very on John Hughes, though, from how I know him. Well, yeah, that was that was like the whole thing is that he was using a different different ages of actors and kind of reaching a different demographic yeah. than just teen movies, yeah. Um, we're going to be hitting up Breakfast Club. Ew. Uh-huh. We're going to learn about smoking weed. Smoking weed, eating uh dandruff. Eating yeah, well, he they didn't eat she didn't eat the dandruff. She used it as snow. <laughs> yeah. She did eat Captain Crunch um, pixie stick sandwich. Bread? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to be uh yeah. It was that or Weird Science. Mm, I've never seen Weird Science. But I, yeah, I love Breakfast Club, so yeah. I'm excited. All right, cool. Well, before this episode gets any longer, I think we'll kind of sign off here. In the meantime, before... Don't, don't worry about the cat in the background. Yeah, the cat causing... Pay no attention to the cat in the background. <laughs> yes. Um, before the next episode, you can uh, keep yourself busy with some content by following us on social media. We are on Twitter and on Instagram at The Takes It Took. Uh, you know, suggestions, comments, corrections, any of that good stuff, you can email us at thetakesittook at gmail.com. Or you can send anthrax, hate mail, all that jazz straight to my address at... It wouldn't be an episode if you didn't try to dox yourself. Yeah. All right. Guys, have fun, stay safe, watch movies, and we will catch you next time. And label! And don't cry, because there's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. All right, bye. 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 (laughs) I'm going to kill that guy. (laughs)